Good morning, everybody. As you might uh, realize, I, Adam is not here today. He took a vacation. So now I'm, I'm going to be leading. So if everybody want to stand up, we're going to be doing Worthy of Worship. that's here and online we're so happy to see you man do we have some opportunities for you this week uh, first we would like to welcome uh, welcome everyone uh, to join in on Sunday school classes sorry I was trying to multitask uh, my co-workers say I'm not good at it Okay, let's start over. Good morning, everyone. It's so glad to see everyone both here and online. And uh, we would like to invite you to join us in Sunday school. Um, 
they start at 9 a.m. each Sunday, and there are so many classes and choices. There is truly a class for everyone, so please join us, and if you have any questions, you could ask Pastor Cliff or Lisa or Terry. I know they could help get you directed in a class you would enjoy. Um, if you're interested in being um, part of the Mercy Tree, which is going to be a mini cantata that's going to be on Resurrection Sunday, there's going to be a short meeting after church today. So please just I hang out in here, and they would love to have you. So in tonight, I'm sure there's not many of you in this room that don't know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we are having a party tonight at 5 p.m., and we would love to have you. We are going to have a chili and soup cook-off, if you would like to join in on that. If not, just be, bring your favorite snack to share, and it will be a good time for everyone, no matter what team you're rooting for, or if your team, like mine, the Green Bay Packers, isn't in it. <laughs> so... Um, and if you don't have plans for Valentine's Day, man, do we have an opportunity for you. <laughs> Cliff likes that. I usually don't make him happy all the time. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there is going to be a connection meal at 5.30, and then also a business meeting and a prayer and share at 6.30 after the dinner. And um, please let the church office know if you would like to make it so that our awesome kitchen crew know how to plan accordingly for that. And then one more opportunity for you on February 15th, Thursday, there will be um, food pantry, so we would love to have you come help. They can always use extra help. Thank you. All right. Uh, if you haven't noticed, it's somewhere around the auditorium and in the building, you'll find these prayer sheets, okay? And one of the things on the prayer sheet is the list of those who we have listed who we believe to be non-Christians, so it's uh, who's your one. If you haven't already turned one in, we encourage you to do that so that you have a name on here that can get prayed for. And this morning as we pray, I'm going to be uh, mentioning Greg, my neighbor, and ask that God would work in his heart as well as the lives of others who are on this list. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you love us, that you gave your son to die for us. We thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, bring these names before you. And we pray for Greg, Father, that uh, you would work in his life and bring things about in his life that uh, he might come to know you as Savior, whether it's through things that I might say or do or someone else. We just pray, Father, that you would work in his heart. We pray for the service today, Lord, that you can guide and direct Pastor Cliff as he leads us in a message. And as you speak to our hearts throughout that message, we pray that you help us to answer and to follow what you'd ask us to do. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. Why don't we join in and standing as we sing? If, if we Supreme devotion. 
All right. So we're going to continue walking through this series called, called The Son of David. We're covering a lot of ground today. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of chapters of Scripture, uh, First Samuel, or 2 Samuel 5, the end of that through the 7th chapter, a little bit longer than that, and 1 Chronicles all cover, also in 13 through 16. You'll see the same story played out, just told from a different point of view. So as we walk through this, this is kind of a cool place. David's now king. And what we get to see now is David is king. We get to see him as the spiritual leader. I love this part, this aspect of it. Because when you think of the king, you don't always think of that spiritual leader. But that's what David does. That's what David does. As we walk through the series, because this is like the sixth Sunday that we've done this series, let's do a little recap so we remember where we're at. We started out back in the 15th, back in the 15th and 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, and we talked about uh, Saul. Remember, he's the first king. And Saul wasn't patient, and, and Saul went ahead and did something he wasn't supposed to do. And then Saul wasn't obedient. When you get instructions, what should you do? Follow them, right? When you get instructions from God... You should follow them, right? Okay, I mean, you know, sometimes we don't always follow the directions. But when God gives you the directions, we should follow the directions. Flip the slide there. And so sin, Saul's sin, sets the stage for David. Then we know that Samuel then had to go out because now Saul's not going to be king anymore. God said so. God said Saul's not going to be king. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and it's one of his sons going to be the king. And of course, he looks at the first guy and says, this guy's, this guy's it. And God says, nope, that's not it. And all the way through the rest of the sons, until there's no more sons left in the house, and then Samuel looks at Jesse and says, this all you got? Well, what's wrong with these guys? But I have one more son, he's out with the sheep. And that happens to be David, and that's how God, God chooses to do things differently than we do. Hence, when Jesus was born, where was he born? In a manger. Who was it announced to? Shepherds. It wasn't announced on CNN and NBC and all that other stuff. There wasn't a tweet going out, was there? God decided to announce it. God does things differently than we do. And Jesus was the answer to the sin problem. So here we are. The next story that we remember about David is he beat some, he, he took down some big guy by the name of Goliath. David like this, Goliath like this. Goliath's got the big spear, the big shield. Everybody else has cowered, all of the army. Saul's army has all cowered at, at uh, Goliath as he stood there. Nobody wants to go take him on. Goliath goes, come and beat me and then we're yours. If I beat you, then, we, then you're, you serve us. That's how it went out. David takes him down with a stone. David takes him down with a stone. God took him down with a stone. And so what we see is we're walking through this parallel. What did Jesus do? When he died on the cross, what did he defeat? He defeated death. Death was undefeated. Jesus did. And so then as we walk through that, we read the story about Jonathan that happens to be Saul's son. And, and Jonathan, Saul said to him, look, as long as David's alive, you're not going to be king. You need, we need to get rid of David. And, Saul, and, and Jonathan did not do that. Jonathan did everything he could to support what God was doing. 
And that in that story, that's what we need to be doing is supporting what God is doing. It's his kingdom, not ours. And then the last thing, last week we talked about this. This is, we talked about patience. So David's told he's next king. He's anointed king by Samuel. And then he waits in the drive-through line for 15 years. While Saul hunts him down and other things happen, he waits and waits and waits until finally he's made king of the whole nation, made king of the whole nation at Hebron. That's where we, we topped it off. As we walk into the next part of David's story, what we're trying to, the better we understand David, the better we understand who he was as king, the better we'll understand, because remember, what was this about? When Jesus was born, they were looking for Messiah. When Jesus showed up, he was recognized as son of David, but not by everybody. Because they were looking, they, they, David that they are looking for, the Messiah that they're looking for, is not the Jesus they saw. And that may have been built on their memory and their understanding of who David was and who the son of David might be, who that Messiah might be. So we're, we're trying to understand who he is as a king and understand that lineage that we're looking through. So if you've done the survey of the Bible thing with us, know that you can pick that up next week. It's not tonight because we're doing Super Bowl stuff, right? But next week, we'll pick that back up, New Testament. But in the Old Testament, and I will, you guys know that that was a right now, that's a right now media study. So you can do that online. But when you walk through that, where we're at with David is what they call the United Kingdom. What's to follow is the divided kingdom. What was before that was the, the period of the judges. So when David becomes king, it's kind of cool because his neighbors figure out, they start sending him stuff. And David builds a house. Okay, David builds a house. And he's got to have a big house. Because if you read about his family, it's more than four bedrooms. Okay, uh, you just kind of understand. So he builds a house. He also defeats the Philistines. This is how the story starts out. It's how the story starts out with David as king. Now, I want you to think about this. Because this is kind of one of those, those points when I think about where, where, where was I when I was beginning my journey? Where was I when I was beginning my journey? A lot of times we're worried about my house, right? Those are the kind of things, that my job, my education, all of those things fall and they take a, a, a importance, right? I've got to deal with those things. So sometimes what we do is we shuffle to the side the most important thing in our life. We separate the two when we shouldn't separate the two. If you guys are familiar, if you get the emails, you, you see stuff laying around here, our, our, um, our slogan, that's not the right word, but our, our slogan is meeting God, meeting needs. Meeting God, meeting needs. We have a little thing drawn up there. It's on, it's on the, the monthly brochure you get. In that, what's that about? That's what we are. That's what we're trying to be as a church. Meeting God is we're concerned about your spiritual connection with God. We want you to be, as, as Richard stood up here and prayed for his neighbor, we want people to come and know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because that's an eternal decision. Your house is not eternal, okay? 
Um, somebody, someday somebody's going to tear that thing down. I don't care how proud you are of it. It's coming down. But your eternal life is forever, right? So we're concerned about the meeting God, and we're also, we're also concerned about that, the idea of the meeting God. It's not just, hey, let's get saved. That means you're born again. You're like a new baby. How many of you are glad you're not a new baby anymore? Okay, I'm glad you're not new babies, all right? It'd be kind of noisy in here. But anyway, we want you to grow. And that meaning God is that continued spiritual growth, the sanctification process. You've been justified when you got saved. But we're working from there to your glorification. None of you were there yet. If you were there yet, you wouldn't be here. Okay? Glorification is when you get to meet God. And that may be through your death, and that may, or that may be through the trumpet sounding and all of us going up that know him. That's the glorification. But until then, from the time you get saved to the time that you get that glorification process, we're in that sanctification. That means we're, we're working on being more like Christ. We're working on being more like Christ. And so that's the process that we're talking about, meeting, meeting God. The meeting needs is the, is the house things. Okay? The things that we need. How do we, how do we reach out to the community? We, wa- we, t- we watched the video a couple Wednesday nights ago. It was in the newsletter, and you can watch it online. There's videos that were out. And, and there's a church over in Columbus, Ohio. They opened up a furniture store. All right? And they're giving away free furniture. Now, what are they doing? Here's, what that, here's how that works. They give they they let families come in and pick out the furniture and then they pick it up and they put it in the back of the truck that they got gifted to them as a church plant and they haul it to their house and then they carry it in and they put it wherever they ask them to put it might be might be a mattress might be a bed might be a couch might be a chair but they're hauling that stuff in there they're meeting needs physical needs people have people have needs they the the guy talked about hauling in a mattress and and this little four-year-old says i finally have a bed of my own Okay, that's exciting stuff. A four-year-old was excited that he had his very own bed. They met a physical need. As they did that, we're about that. As they did that, that gave them an opportunity to do what? The idea of the meeting God thing. That's what that's about. This Thursday, you'll have the opportunity to go out with us. It's our Thursday, Emmanuel Baptist Church, in the morning at 9 o'clock to be out at the food, out of the food pantry, out at the plaza. And what will we do there? We'll show up, we'll show up and we'll work those different stations inside. Somebody will go out as the cars pull up, they'll go up and find out what they what they want, if they've met the criteria and all that stuff, they get checked through. It's really that part I don't deal with, okay? Uh, but but you're gonna get the food and you're gonna take it out. What are we doing? We're meeting needs. Hopefully with the opportunity to show them, show them about meeting God. Okay, that's what this is about. The, the two of them can go together. Sometimes what we do, and I'll ask you this question, are they separate, meeting God, meeting needs? Sometimes we do. We, you know, I'm going to take care of this, this, and this, and then I'm going to do this. How many of you got a lot of things that you, were, you said you're going to do later? It doesn't have to be about meeting God, Okay. How many of you got a list of things that, that my wife can tell you about all the things that I'm going to do someday? Okay? Because most of them she told me, right? Okay, no, no, I like that, right? I'm in trouble. Um, but here's the thing. We put things off and we deal with the things that, that we feel like are immediate. And sometimes what we're missing is the most important things. 
And sometimes what we do is we separate. I got to take care of all this, God, and I'll get back to you later, God. We need, we need to walk with this together. Walk through this with together. So as we look at David, David does this. It told you that he, de- he built a house and then he defeated the Philistines before we get to moving the ark. But he, de- he defeated the Philistines. That was, that was the, the enemy of the Israelites. God gives him victory. Now, I want you to think, because you know, this is one of those things where people are thinking, we need to get rid of our enemies. It's like getting rid of ants in the house. Getting rid of other bugs in the house. You know, let's get rid of these pesky little Philistines and move them off the side. And then God will get back to serving you. But in this story, in this story, you're reading about David and the Philistines. You see David as a king. He's got a crown on his head. He now has this big house. And he's king over all Israel. You know what he does? He asks God. So he's dealing with the physical problem, the the ants in the house, the termites, whatever, the Philistine, the pesky bugs that are there just won't go away. The cicadas that are coming, he's dealing with those, and he's going to do that. But he doesn't just deal with those. He does that by going to God. That's spiritual leadership. When you let the people know that in your, as you're facing these problems, as you're dealing with whatever physical thing it is, you're going to reach out and you're going to ask God. So let's read it here in 2 Samuel 5, 19. There are two battles. We're going to read about the first one. Here's what he says. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? God, what do you want me to do? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up. For I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And guess what happens when he goes up against the Philistines? There's victory. What do you like about that? He asked God. You know, I asked in, in one of those things, how many times do we ask God what we need to do? This is asking God. This is the, the, the king. He can tell anybody to do whatever he wants. But the king, as the leader of the nation, is asking God, Will you give us victory? I'm not going unless you tell me to go. So in the 23rd verse, a different battle with the Philistines, when David inquired of the Lord, again, what did he do? He went and asked God. He says, when when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go directly up, circle around behind him. Because Listen to this. How many of us ask God one time and then figure out everything's the same? God, I won't bother God because I know how to do it. He's already told me once, and here we are, same enemies, I'll just do it the same way that I did before. But David stops, and he asks God, David inquired the Lord, and here's what God said, you shall not go directly up. That's what you did last time. You shall not go directly up, circle around behind them, and come at them in front of the balsam trees. So God doesn't always have the same plan. We need to do what? That's that lesson that when we think we've got it figured out, we know, well, I'm not going to bother to ask God because I know what he wants me to do. We need to ask God because God may have a different plan this time. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what David did. The spiritual leader is doing what? He's trusting God. He's meeting God and he's meeting it's all at the same time. This is your spiritual leader. I want you to know, what you want to know about me is what? Did I do what I want to do? Or that I seek God out in the direction that we go? Which would you rather have? Me figuring that out on my own? Or me inquiring of God? 
How many, just raise your hand, how many of you want me to figure it out on my own? How many of you think God asked God? You could raise your hands a little higher, a little more emphatically, right? Come on now. I mean, it's like, okay, they were just kind of iffy on that, so I'll just go ahead and do it myself and do, you know, ask, do it myself, ask God. Come on, guys. All right. All right, so here's where the story goes next. Here's where the story goes next. The Ark of the Covenant. Remember that thing they carried the Ten Commandments in and all that other stuff? The rod of, they got all that. The manna, they've been carrying it around. Well, they parked it at this guy's house. They parked it at this guy's house in Kirith, Jerem. And, and you can find that story in 1 Samuel 7. They park it there, and they leave it there. I mean, it got brought out one time, and that's what um, Saul got in trouble for, doing some things he wasn't supposed to. So, David is going to give an invite. The covenant, the, 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 the ark of God was a symbol of his presence. A symbol of his covenant that he had made with the people. A reminder of all that God had done to bring him to this place. And yet it was parked at somebody's house. Probably in the garage. At the back of the garage. Behind some lumber. Okay, that's, that's kind of, it's just there. It's, it's been abandoned, so to speak. David decides that it needs to be in Jerusalem. So David wants to go get it. You'll remember the story that the first time they go to get it, it doesn't work out so good. It gets parked for about three months until so they figure it out. But here's the invite that David originally gives. Let's read this in 1 Chronicles 13, verses 2 and 3. David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and it is from the Lord our God, let us send everywhere to our kinsmen who remain in all the land of Israel, also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their cities with pasture lands that they may meet with us. And let us bring back the ark of our God to us. For we did not seek it in the days of Saul. That's a powerful statement. Here's your leader saying, I, we need to get this right. And in order for us to get this right, we need the ark of God, the ark of the covenant. We need to bring that back and use it. We need to, we need to seek it out because that represented God's presence. You know, David's talking to, 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 to God wherever he's at. But what he wants is that centrality of the tabernacle and of the ark and of the worship that God had given them instructions to do. Matter of fact, as, as you read through the story, we're not going to get to that today, but as you read through the story, David doesn't just want a, a, a tent house. David wants a stone house. He doesn't get to build it. Solomon gets to build it. But you know what David did? He got all the, he got all the stuff together. It's, it's like a kid house for, for Solomon. Everything's ready. It's all piled out there. Because David understood the importance of the worship of God and what that ark represented. And what I love about this, about the spiritual leader that David is, is this. David could have went and done that all by himself. David, David had men of his own that took the city of Jerusalem. David could take those same men and go down and grab the ark and bring it back to Jerusalem. But what David did 
was he invited everyone else in on the journey, in on the task. Let's reach out to the whole nation and bring them along. When we're talking about our spiritual journeys, what do we need to do? We need to keep it to ourselves. When we walk out of this building, nobody needs to know that we went to church. Nobody needs to know that we read Scripture. Nobody needs to know what the preacher talked about. Nobody knows, needs to know the songs that we listened to and sang. Nobody needs to know that we're saved. David invited everybody into the spiritual journey. You have friends around you, neighbors, who need invited, family, who need invited into this spiritual journey to do what? To seek God out. That's what David's asking. We're going to bring the ark because we want to seek God out. We need to be, in, we need to be about that. That's what David was about, is, see, is seeking to bring the people along. Tonight, how many are rooting for the, for, the 49ers? That's good. Okay. <laughs> how many are you rooting for the Len Dawson and the Chiefs? Yeah. Well, you're almost as emphatic about that as you are the other. Okay. <laughs> Not a very lively crowd this morning. All right. You're saving all your energy up for you, you stay up too late cooking the chili and soup, right? Because you're going to win it. But tonight, we're going to watch the Super Bowl. The winner of the Super Bowl is going to do what? Afterwards, I think they go to Disneyland. But they're going to come back to their city, Kansas City, and they're going to do what? They're going to have a parade. And, and all these football players in the back of trucks and convertibles and all that other stuff, and they're going to be throwing confetti and making a mess of downtown Kansas City. But they're going to celebrate the champions coming home. I want you to know what we're about to read about is better than a Super Bowl parade. Better than a Super Bowl parade. We're going to pick it up at 1 Chronicles, the 15th chapter, verses 25 through 28. They're bringing the ark into Jerusalem. They're bringing the ark into Jerusalem. It's more, the ark of God is about an eternal thing. The Super Bowl trophy, somebody else gets it next year. They get the chiefs, or they may get to defend it, but they got to earn it again. This ark of God, this covenant with God, it is eternal and forever. And so, so it was David with the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands who went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed Edom with what? Read that with me together joy, right? With joy. Sometimes church. Well, I got to go to church. I got to put. I got to check my little box and put my little stamp. And I, I've been to church, God. I want you to know. Here's these guys. They went and got this thing, and they're dragging it back. Last time they turned on something. They're bringing it back, and they're bringing it back with what? With, with faces that look like church people. You know? No, they're bringing it back with joy, more joy than a Super Bowl parade, right? Because they're bringing this in. Verse 26. Because God was helping the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now David was clothed with a robe and a fine linen with all the Levites who were carrying the Ark and the singers and the Chenani, the leader of the singing with the singers. David also wore an ephod of linen. This is that singing and dancing. It's not, hey, we got to do this. God's making us bring the ark in. We got to, you know, I, I got to show up. I can't wait to go to lunch kind of thing. No, this is the joy of getting things right with God. Your spiritual leader, your king, he didn't ask somebody else to go do it. He did it himself. 
He went with them. He, he's among them. He's singing with them. And they're singing with joy. Reminds me of the guy in college. The guy, the, he actually ended up, uh, he, he performed our, our wedding ceremony. This guy, my name is Scott Sperling. Little guy, about like yay big. He'd sing in the choir, in the choir robes back in the day. And he had a smile like this. Okay? He enjoyed singing. That's the way I pick. David, he's excited because he gets to go do this. And he gets to bring that ark back. And he's got the captains. This is a big parade, right? The captains of thousands. And, and there's more than one of those. And they're bringing that parade in. Something great is going on. Because what? They're seeking to get their relationship right. And let's see, verse 28. Thus all Israel brought in the Ark of the Covenant with the Lord shouting, with the sound of the horn, with trumpets, with loud-sounding cymbals, with harps and lyres. That's electric guitars, okay? Just so, I mean, they're making noise, bringing that back in because they're excited. You know, you, you know the kid's book, I saw it on Mulberry Street where the kid exaggerates? You can't over-exaggerate what's going on here, okay? That's the kind of parade that was. They bring back the ark. They did the sacrifice. We're going to read about this, but it's not just enough to bring the ark of God into the city of the king. It's about why do we need to do that? Because we need to be spiritually right, the spiritual rightness of the situation. So look through the slide there. That's what David's about. We're going to read the last verse that we'll read is out of 1 Chronicles 16.1. Flip the slide. They brought in the ark of God, and placed it inside the tent which David had pitched. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Now I tell you what, that one verse doesn't look all that exciting, right? We don't get the whole sacrifice thing, the peace offerings, we just don't get that. We don't do that. Why, Why don't we do that anymore? Because Jesus shed his blood. We're not doing this anymore because of what Jesus did for us. But understand the significance of that. Jesus shed his blood, and with that, it's the only way. Without his, without his blood, there's no remission of our sins. That the most precious commodity in all of the universe, J.D. Griffith puts it that way, is the blood of Christ. It's not, blood, it's not, it's not, it's not any, any precious metal. It's not gold. It's not titanium. It is not lithium. It is the, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. So they bring that back. And why is that important? Because what were they seeking to do? They were seeking, all the sacrifices were about was what? About getting their relationship right with God. To ask for the forgiveness, to offer up the peace offerings, the thank offerings. Because guess what? Even if we don't acknowledge it, God is working in our lives. And they came to the point where they wanted to acknowledge the fact that God was working in their life. God was doing something for their nation. This now was a nation that was doing what? Through their leader, they were seeking to follow God. The spiritual rightness of the situation. That's what a spiritual leader does. And that's what David did. David led his people to seek God. David led his people to seek God. That, how many of you need to be a little David? You may not mean to be a king. God may not have intended for you to be a king. But I will tell you this, that God intended you to live like a king. And that means to bring people 
to help people seek God out, to help them to get to that place where they meet God. And you can do that because you know God. You have that capacity to do so. And we, we heard something, Vance Pittman was talking about this. He says, in your service, you need, there, there are lost people showing up. And they're expecting you to do that awkward thing. They're expecting you to pray. Because they know that that's what you do. They want, they want to know about, how do I talk to God? I don't know how to do it. You do it and show it to them. Lead people to seek God, and you can be part of that story. You can be the David to them. It may not be to a nation, but guess what? You can make the eternal, person, eternal difference in somebody's life one life at a time. By living it out in front of them, by taking the opportunity to talk with them about it. Showing the actions and then talking with them. Help them to bring the ark. Help them to put God in the place that it need, God needs to be so they can seek God out. David becomes the benchmark. The kings that followed David, they either walked in the way of their father David or they did not. You see what David did? By seeking God out. Matter of fact, the scripture mentions that he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a man without flaw, but he was a man that sought God out. And in so doing, he became the best. You know, you're major, are you doing like David's doing or are you not doing like David? Because to do like David is to be what? One who seeks God out and one who leads the nation to do the very same thing. That's what David was. The Messiah... The son of David. Why did he come? Why did he die on the cross? So that you might have a house? So that you might have a nice car? I'm waiting for my Porsche. Okay. Is that why he died on the cross? So that you might have good grades in school? You might have health? Now, you know, it's interesting when you follow through his life. He did all those things, right? You read, you know, if you're doing the have you read, you're reading through Mark, and it, all the, he's feeding 4,000, he's feeding 5,000, he's walking on the water, he's healing the blind man. He's doing all of these things that met what? The physical needs of the people. So he's not, he, he can't do that, right? He gave the victory over the Philistines to David. He met the physical needs that he had. But when Jesus came down the cross, why did he do that? So that you could be restored. So that the relationship that you and I were intended, God created us to have a relationship with him. God created us to have a relationship with him. What broke that relationship? We had a breakup. God didn't want that breakup, but you know what the breakup was? It was our sin. We chose to be disobedient. We, we chose to be a little salt. We chose to be an Adam and an Eve. We chose sin. And that broke our relationship with God. Jesus came and he died on the cross so that if we'll seek him out and ask forgiveness, because we can't earn, you know, you know how sometimes you, you, you've been in that relationship and it's broken and you, if you, I promise to do this, promise to do this, and it's all about what you're going to do? This relationship with God can't be restored by the little things that you can do. It's only restored through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His forgiveness. He provides for our redemption and our reconciliation. That's what He did on the cross. That's what He did on the cross. 
What am I going to ask you to do with this? Here it is. David's that spiritual leader. I want us to be spiritual leaders. We're going to go out there and we're going to have your nation, right? Taylor Swift's got a whole nation. You've got a little smaller one, okay? I want you to make an impact like David did on your nation. Here's the action steps that I want to put up here. Um, asking this question, going back to that original slogan, which takes priority in your life? And you know, this is this is a self. You can sit here before the Super Bowl and think about it. Okay, what brings? What, what do you place priority on? Your spiritual or the physical needs around you? Because sometimes what we do is we only go to God when we absolutely have to. When we find ourselves in a ditch and we're stuck. It's kind of like, I can't get myself out of the ditch. I'm going to call the tow truck. God happens to be my tow truck. We need to be better at that. After you answer that question, and you probably need to ask that question more than once this week, more than once in your life, it's an ongoing question. What changes need to be made? What changes in your priorities need to be made so that you're living your life out, first and foremost, seeking the kingdom of God. Remember that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added. God wants him, he wants us to place him first place in our life, and then everything else should follow behind that. Are we willing to do that? So this morning, Charlie's going to come back up here. He's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. Uh, just as I am, if I remember right. And we're going to sing that song. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a minute. What, what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're just going to sing the song together. But here's an opportunity for you. God may be speaking to you about I don't know what. He may be speaking to you about salvation. You need to do something about that. Come talk to us and we'll understand it. He may be seeking to get you in a better place with your life. Spiritually, you, you, you're not doing what David did. You may need to come and pray, God, help me to do that. Because guess what? It isn't just as easy as you saying, I need to change it, because the enemy will work against you. We want to pray with you. You may want to go be a missionary. God may be calling you to be a missionary. God may be calling you to, to take my spot. Maybe not here, but someplace else. God may be calling you to preach. I don't know what it is that God has dealt with you, because guess what? God has been working long before we got here this Sunday morning and I spoke to you. And I want you, I want to encourage you to do like David and to do what God says. Let's stand.
Thank you. Okay. Richard came up here and we prayed for Greg. Right? Somebody he knows, but he's not certain that that man knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you for a moment to think about the one you know who doesn't know Jesus. Right? I want you to think about that. Have that, have that parked in the front end of your brain. Okay? Because God knows your thoughts. I'm amazed. It just blows me away, right? We're, we're not on a time schedule that says we have to pray at 11.07 because, and, and with a minute because the next church has got the next minute. But God has the capability to do what we can't understand, and that's to listen to the prayer for Greg and whoever else is on your mind. I also want to pray because it's not, you have other things. Second tier priorities, right? It might be a job. It might be something else going on, health or whatever it might be. It might not be for you, but it might be for somebody you know. I know that God can answer that request above and beyond. Now, I will tell you right now that you're not asking big enough. Okay? You're asking inside of the limits of what you think you could do with just a little help. Let's ask big. We're talking to the living God. We're not just filling air. We're talking to the living God who is sending his son back. And it could be any moment. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in prayer, Lord. Father, Richard has lifted up Greg Father, we want to lift him up once again. And Father, on the hearts of the minds of the people gathered here, those online of those online later, Father, we know that they know somebody that doesn't know you. They may not know you. Father, we pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of you. Father, we know that in, in, in house here, Lord, there are a lot of needs. Father, there are a lot of of issues, that, evidence on our prayer list of things that we're praying for, and there are many unmentioned things, unspoken. Father, just pray, Lord, that you would work. Father, in our request, Lord, as we present that to you above and beyond what we ask. Father, that you would teach us to ask bigger because you can answer bigger than we can imagine. Father, we give you thanks that we were able today to come and to the house, Lord, to Sunday school, to church, to sing songs, Lord, together to know that we're not the only ones struggling to serve you, walking to be walking as a light in this world. Father, we thank you for the music. We thank you for how it led us to focus our attention on you. And Father, we give you thanks. Father, we ask that you would be with us as we go out of this place, that we might do those things that would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple things before you go. Okay.
So if you want to sing, if you think you want to sing, maybe if you think you know somebody that wants to sing and they're not here, show up. Lori's over in the corner. Will Lori raise your hand? Higher than that. <laughs> Raising hands is not a thing today. Okay. All right, over here. Lori, Lori where do you want? right down front and center. Okay, that good? Okay. Come down front and center if you're interested in doing that. So we'll do something. It's Mercy Tree. It's my, one of my favorite songs. Okay, they're going to they're gonna talk about that, talk about how the practices will go, everything like that. So stick around for that down here in these front pews. Tonight at 5 o'clock, I'm going to encourage you to come back and watch the game with us. We'll just hang out. We'll have a lot of food. The gym will be open so the kids can go run. And if you bring your kids, they should go home tired. You will thank us for that because they'll go home and they'll, they'll fall asleep on the way home and they won't even wake up when you put them in the bed. Okay, we got that going on. We'll have the room with the food in it. That room is not... The, 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 there's a room of the chapel has two, two TV screens in it. That's usually the quiet room where the people that are watching the game and don't want to miss a play, that's the room to go to, okay? So you know that we got, we got everything covered. There's, place to, there's a place to hang out. If you don't even like football, but you want to hang out with friends, come do that. If you want to go play in the gym, go play in the gym. There's a basketball and frisbees in there, all right? And otherwise, you can watch the game. We'll do that in the other room. Tomorrow night, the women are going to meet over in the chapel, 630, and they're going to do exercise, okay? It's something with a chair. Uh, they, yeah, anyway, uh, come and see that, 630, be part of that. Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day. We don't look at the calendar very well. It just that's what it's supposed to be. Well, come have a Valentine's meal with us, all right? At 5.30, and then we'll have business meeting and a short prayer and share after that. And then Thursday morning, if you want to help people, you want to help us meet needs, show up out at the plaza if you're available to do that with the food pantry. You guys happy to have been here today? Thank you. All right, you go home now.